Welcome, everybody, to the Eyes on Big Podcast, your go-to Big Ten football podcast, brought to you by the Amador Whiskey Company. I'm your co-host, Jeffrey the Greek, joined, as always, by... This is Big Kurt here. Big Kurt, you're on Twitter. I am on Twitter. I'm Big Kurt on Twitter at B1GKURT. And I am Jeffrey the Greek at Jeffrey the Greek. Thank you so much for listening and downloading the podcast. Um, I don't think we could have had more opposite weekends. Uh, my team won. Yours, unfortunately, did not. I was out in the elements live at the game. You were in the warm environment of uh, the house. Uh, yep. And uh, anyways, that's the, just kind of, that's the life of a college football fan, the ups and the downs and the opposites. I was at the DAC East, uh, had our uh, mutual buddy over, watched some games as usual. And yeah, my hopes and dreams were crushed and yours were revitalized. So yeah, a little and, bit different weekend. And we, we've had this theme before where it's like, hold on, college football fans. If you're having a rough time, you can yeah. rebound. If you're if, if you're feeling great, unfortunately, sometimes you can get kneecapped at any time. Um, you had said right before we started recording, like, ooh, I bet that was a cold day. Yeah. It wasn't too bad. No, okay. Um, first and foremost, I'd like to give a shout out to the seasoned veterans at my tailgate. Yeah many of which listen to the podcast, they put a tent up that blocked the wind mm. and then put a, a propane heater in there. You could have been inside that thing in jeans and a T-shirt and you would have been fine. Okay, so not really any elements, so to speak, in terms of there was no precipitation, right? But there was some wind? There was wind. It was just teeny tiny little pellets of... Okay. It, like they would stick to your coat and then kind of blow away. Okay. I mean, it was right at 32, 34 degrees. Don't get me wrong. The wind blowing to one side of your face. It was hitting my right side of the face. In the second half, I I, I was lucky enough, intelligent enough, I don't know what it was, to put my nephew on the seat to the right of me. Sure. So him and his young blood could yeah. block the wind from hitting me. Uh, that helped. I'll, I'll, I'll tell you another thing that helps, too. Uh, fireball helps, too. Oh, Lots yeah. of layers of clothing. It's not hard to sneak in a couple uh, you know, right. extracurriculars into the game. So so that helped a lot. Um <laughs> so then, you know, not to try to go too deep into it, but essentially what the the uh, plan of attack is on game days, my my parents, the, the ancient Greeks, uh, live about an hour away. So we drive in that morning. We essentially tailgate for a little bit, go to the game, and then get back to the parents. Usually I have uh, the little Greeks with me, so I got to kind of get back. Luckily, Grandma Greek said, you know what? It's a fun day. You guys just go ahead and stay down in Iowa City. Oh. I'll, 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 you know, bathe the boys, put them to bed. Don't worry. So Mrs. Greek was with me. Uh, Doug the Carthaginian was with me and the aforementioned uh, nephew. So I did something that, Kurt, I haven't done in a long time. I went downtown Iowa City after the game. Oh, really? Not for a long time, uh, but just for a little bit. Oh, that bit. must have been fun. <laughs> so... It was uh, Brothers is where the okay. group that we were meeting was at. So it's Brothers on Saturday night. Like it's one of the most, I don't, I don't know if it was a better Obnoxious. word, douchiest bars yeah. that you could possibly go to. Pay to cover. I mean, I couldn't tell you the wow. last time <laughs> paid a cover charge to get wow. in. So we get in, we see our friends. We know we're not staying long, certainly not eating there. Um, and the funny thing is like, I'm, I'm dying, you know, um, I'm dying for uh, a bourbon. So I go up to the bar and I order a bourbon and the, the bartender's like, what type of bourbon? And I said, anything but Maker's Mark. If you got uh, Buffalo Trace, great, because unfortunately I knew they were not going to have Amador at this, right. at this bar. 
And so she walks away to go get the drink. And there's this little stoner college kid, you know, that's sitting next to me. And he's like, that's the most sophisticated drink I've ever heard anybody order here, man. A bourbon. <laughs> bourbon on the rocks. And I'm laughing, you know. Uh, and uh, and I said something about, you know, um, my age. And this this is what I like to drink. And he goes, well, how old are you? And I told him my age. And he goes, well, hopefully you're young at heart. Oh, man. <laughs> wow. It just it added to the fun of the of the weekend. He was he was shocked and awed by my age and my choice of drink. Well, speaking of hearts, uh, I I I'm sure you were not able to keep up with our our DM between me, you, and Dustin Shooty. No, because you were at the game. Yep. I I mean, I you should probably go back and read it okay. because I imagine it was incredibly entertaining. It was two guys who have had their hearts you know t- ripped out and thrown on the the ground and stomped upon for our entire lives basically in a fight over who was going to lose the whose team was going to lose the game like there's <laughs> between no, Illinois and Indiana yeah, yeah. And, and no 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 this is the type of game that we I lose. mean he said something about how no the you know Purdue never wins these kind of games I'm like look if anybody's got dominion over college football suffering it's me you're not allowed to take this from me and it was just back and forth of us of us being convinced that our team was going to lose uh and you know what you know who was correct yeah you you cuz you have more experience i told them straight up that this was my world man you're living in it that's like getting in a painting contest with Picasso. <laughs> Correct. Man. You just don't want to do it. Um, I want to give a shout out to stalwart listeners Zed and Aaron. Uh, Aaron, my guy from Illinois, was basically like our PR guy telling everybody at the tailgate we were at that they need to listen to the Eyes on Big podcast. So very much appreciate that. Shout out to potentially new listeners G Money. Sarah and Brandy, we'll see All if right. they come through. They're talking a big game. Hopefully, hopefully they tune in here. But anyways, it was one of those days. Uh, not to rub salt in the wound. I hope it doesn't feel like I'm trying to do that. But it was one of those days that re-reminded you why you love the sport. Um, uh, Carthaginian, the nephew and I dancing to jump around that they played yeah, sure. after yeah, sure. you know the game was over. Yep, it's about as fun as you get. And somehow the elements. When it's cold like that and it's a little blustery, by the end of the game, when your team's winning and maybe you know some some of the uh, imbibing has soaked into your bloodstream, suddenly you don't feel as cold and, and you're enjoying it more. Sure, I don't know how to explain them. All right, should we get into the games? Yes, sir. All right, these were the these were the week eleven games, all games on Saturday, November twelfth. All fourteen teams in action. Action zero teams idle. First game up, Ohio State fifty six. Indiana 14. I predicted 55 to 17. Oh, wow. Darn close with that. Buckeyes with a robust 662 (laughs) yards of total offense to the Hoosiers 269. Well, so this is basically a scrimmage for Ohio State. Let's be honest, right? Indiana, not really, not busted a grape really anymore at this point in the season. Not sure how much they really care at this point in the season. They kind of just want to pack it in. Yeah. Get things over with. Try again next year. Now, Ohio State has been, you know, not running the ball great. 340 yards rushing this game. I know. It's India. I know. Yep. Now, unfortunately. They're down. They're, they're, they're getting down to the nubbins in that running back room. Yes. The, the, the Mesoamerican goes down. So who is it now? The freshman, Dallin Hayden. Who is a, a former wide receiver. 
they have so many athletes in that room. That was the uh, that's the other guy. Okay, that's the D- other Dallin guy. Hayden's a true running back. Like you know, obviously okay. a, a highly recruited guy. In fact, his his older brother is uh, Chase Hayden on Illinois, also running back. Wow. So he, you know, we'll see how it goes. He he had a solid game, and we think we're going to get Travion Henderson back pretty soon. But my guess is they would like to have him back. In two weeks, uh, ASAP, which is obviously the game versus Michigan. But essentially, there was uh, angst amongst Ohio State fans and people in some capacity wanting to see more out of Ohio State. The bloodletting was on early in this game. Uh, Quite honestly, one of the more surprising things to me was that Indiana got not one but two touchdowns on the board uh, versus this defense because you could tell, even in the elements, which weren't fantastic. I mean, they got chastised for that last week versus Northwestern. Even in in those elements, they were able to just race up and down the field. I think they pretty much could have name their yardage and point total if they wanted to get it. And anyways, long story short, this is obviously team with its eyes on the college football playoff. Nothing we saw yesterday that's going to stop them from doing that. Now, 28-7 at halftime. I wanted to look at little stats here, though. Dallin Hayden, on the day, 19 carries, 102 yards, 5.4 average, a touchdown. Mayan Williams had a great yard, great yards before he uh, went before he went out of the game. And the when you were talking about Xavier Johnson, he's the wide receiver had the single carry for seventy one yards and a I mean, touchdown. Once he was out in the open field, it doesn't matter if you're a running back or a wide receiver. You're just letting the natural athletic ability uh, work. He looked incredible on that play. It's amazing how different a team like Ohio State looks because they can spread people out so well, and there's so much space. So then when you get a guy that's that good of an athlete. It's almost like you. It's impossible to tackle him. Yeah, there's just too much going on for a defense, and then like now I got to get this guy. And right. Stuff. You watch every other game. There's just everything's more compact, right? Yes. yes. So you get a guy that's talented. It, it they just don't break as often. That's tough. Uh, speaking of natural talent and ability, Marvin Harrison seven catches, 135 yards. Did you see that catch that he made on the sidelines? Where he was able to somehow contort his body, get to get catch the ball number one, and then the wherewithal for where he was at to yep. get the first. I think he got the second foot down too. I, I, I'm trying to think. It was incredible. It was one of the best catches I've ever seen. And he had a a run for 18 yards. One run, 18 yards. Yeah, he's pretty good. So there is a little bit of frustration amongst Ohio State fans with the other wide receivers at times. Um, yeah, a little, some dropsies here and there, you well, know. And Abuka only two catches on the day, right? But I love the way that they're using Cade Stover, the tight end now. Dude, Cade Stover is just here's what he does. He just catches first downs and touchdowns. That's his role. That's pretty much it. <laughs> he doesn't doesn't touch the ball that no, often, but when no. he does, it's always big. it's good stuff. By the way, CJ Stroud, two hundred ninety seven yards, five touchdowns. Want to give though an absolute huge shout out to wide receiver Cameron Babb. Yeah. Um, one catch, eight yard touchdown. What? Why is that a big deal? Highly recruited wide receiver, oh, yeah. one of the many that have gone to Ohio State. I know it's been three, but I believe it's been four. It's four. Yeah. Four knee. Four ACLs is what I heard. Most people don't have four ACLs. Right. Didn't even know that was possible. Obviously, he, he broke all four of them. But he has come back not once, twice, three times, four times, was able to run around and catch a. Touchdown catch. His interview after the game, we didn't know about this, right? Uh, 
Grandma Greek, Doug the Carthaginian, we are watching this on Big Ten Network, mm -hmm. and we now know the backdrop, and we see the interview. His interview, and then also C.J. Stroud talking about how much it meant to him that his teammate caught the pass. We, we, it was a little dusty in the living room at, sure. at, at the ancient Greek's house. I thought that was an incredible story. So we got Ohio State looks great defensively, great passing offense. They've started a little bit times running the ball, looked great on this day, but still there's questions there because of all the injuries. Yes, they need to get healthy in a, in a hurry. Um, Indiana, I don't know what to say. I mean, we, we we technically are supposed to, we to should, talk about right. both teams in in the eyes on big podcast. Dexter Williams six or nineteen attempts completed six passes, one hundred and seven yards, had the two touchdowns. Yeah. got to give him that. And he was their leading rusher too. Yeah, and the team rushing was you know one hundred and fifty yards of forty carries. I mean they had yeah. to kind of. It's uh, and, it's rough. And Basilek, I know he was kind of dinged up coming into the game. He got benched. I don't know if it's just because of play or if it was partly injury too, but then it was just the Dexter Williams show. It was just go out there. Good luck kid. Which is what Indiana fans wanted to see the week before. That's why I think that was part of the angst on, on why they tried Tuttle and pulled him out of the portal. Essentially you, <laughs> that's just making you laugh again with the S day. Um, essentially one of about three teams now is just trying to build to see what they can figure out for next year. This is obviously one of them. For sure. So 28, this is a Dave Rebsonism, by the way, on the Big Ten Network. 28 consecutive wins for Ohio State over IU. That's the longest winning streak of all time in the Big Ten against one team. Wow. And I, I mean, I wonder if it's the longest win streak of all time in any conference. Over a I'm guessing bow. like Oklahoma and Nebraska must have beat Iowa State, Kansas, Kansas State, those teams that many times. I'm guessing those are good know. guesses that you just threw out yeah. right there. I would I would like to know, though. I mean, I mean I it's, it's tough not to trip up with a four or five interception or turnover game at some point sure. in 28 tries where the team just wins 13 to 10. I guess maybe another one like USC back in the day, yeah. Oregon State, Washington State, one of no those teams. Yeah, Notre Dame's not in conference. I'm trying to think of somebody else. but Well, Notre Dame beat Navy how many times in a row? Yeah. That was that was like thirty, wasn't it? Was it really? I thought so. That's not conference technically, but it's you know it's well, that's not conference, true. But it yeah. is. We'll see if somebody hears that yeah. and maybe lets us know. With the win, Ohio State moves to ten and zero. With the loss, the Hoosiers drop to three and seven officially out of the out of the running to get to a bowl. Next game up, Michigan State twenty seven, Rutgers twenty one. The Spartans with four hundred and fifty three yards of offense to the Scarlet Knights four. 160, uh, one of only two games yesterday that was decided by uh, a, one score or less. Uh, the other thing I want to say is great uniform game, in my opinion. Too bad it could have been played on Christmas with the lots of green and red mixed in there, but good, good, good uniform game right there. Um, this was essentially the game that I expected it to to be. Um, I mean, it's a competitive game, but Michigan State was in, in command. They were the better team. Yeah. There was no doubt. And, and in my prediction, I never thought that Michigan State wasn't the better team. Um, I would say the most surprising part of this game was the 460 yards of total offense by Rutgers. To me, that was Shiano understanding that this was his best, probably his last chance to make a bowl game. They did everything they could. They 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 gave Michigan State a run for their money. You know what wasn't that surprising? 14 penalties for 108 yards. Yeah. 
What is with Shiano teams I don't know. that are so and, turn, un- and turnovers and turnovers? I mean, it's like if you would have said before, if you'd have told me before the season, the turnovers and and uh, penalties, and I don't know where they rank in the Shiano times at Rutgers. My guess is very high on both or yeah. low, just depending on how you want to say it. If you would have told me that before the season, I would have thought they win maybe two games at this point. I know. So it's amazing that they've wound up winning four games up to this point with that. But, I mean, Gavin Wimsett, 20 of 34, 236 yards, two Actually, touchdowns. He looked pretty good. He looked really good. They ran 224 yards for a 5.1-yard average. Kyle Manungai went off 162 yards. This is – that's – it probably felt at times that there was more offense going on for Rutgers fans in this game that they've seen in what five or six other games. I, I mean, combined. Just if you're talking about just Big Ten games, that has to be the most yardage they've had. I think it almost has to be. Um, switching to Michigan State, I don't know. It's hard to define you know the what? year Peyton Thorne has had. Well, okay, okay. I've, here's what I here's what I liken it to. Uh, remember, so are you a Monty Python fan? Oh, but yeah. With the Holy Grail. Yep. When they're, bring out your dead, yep. bring out your, the guy's like, I'm not dead yet. <laughs> that's how Michigan State's season is. And that's how Peyton Thorne is right now. He's the guy said, I'm not dead <laughs> yet. Uh, that was very good. Um, just a scratch. Uh, I had a, I, I don't want to go through the whole direct message conversation, but our friends at SRS, uh, yeah. Standing Room Spartans, I, I just threw it out there to them. And I think they debated on their podcast. Shoot, I forgot to listen to it now that I think about it. But um, I just said, you know, is this starting to be as good or a better coaching job this year yeah. than it was last year? Like, it is harder as a coach. I guarantee if you ask any head coach. It is harder to pull a team out of a nosedive yeah, than yeah. it is to coach a team that's front running. I think so. So, like, this is incredible what, well, what he wound up pulling out. And the one that I asked him directly, he said he would answer this on the podcast. Okay. So I, I wanted, I want to go back and listen as well. But I wondered the game last week against Illinois is that the like where does that rank in the entire time that Tuck has been at Michigan State? Where is that that single game performance for him coaching? It's got to be top five. I wonder if it's like top three. I mean, you would have to think Michigan last year would be probably number one. Yeah, yeah. Couple of other fun games, you know. <laughs> but that they, they were a good team, right? Right. So when you beat a team that's mediocre, when you already feel like you got things rolling, it's kind of what you expect. Part of the enjoyment of a football game when you when you were at the high levels of holy cow that was fun is when you didn't expect to win it yes which is two weeks in a row now for Michigan State right so they're they're sitting at five and five <laughs> I mean that's what I mean that raise your hand when they were three and five yeah thought that they were gonna get to to this record they're not dead yet no and by the way so Peyton looking a lot more thorny <laughs> but then also the running game Kind of waking up to 5.6 yard average, 197 yards. This is a balanced looking team. Suddenly at this it's point. balanced. I mean, another, another balanced. And they still had the players out suspended. Yeah. 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 But I tell you what, the, the guy that's not suspended that makes a huge difference is Slade on that defensive yeah. line. He is a big plugger where there's another guy we're going to talk about uh, that kind of has the same role. But Jalen Berger, Jarek Broussard, the B&B boys, uh, 85 yards, 80 yards. Another balance thing. Keep giving the, keep splitting yeah. the carries between those guys. They seem to be able to find a balance there, right. too. And neither one's great, but they're both solid. Yes, I think that's fair. Yeah. I, I, I mean, they might not want to hear that. But they're good enough. They're, they're, they're definitely good enough. Um, and then Jaden Reed, four catches, 90 yards, and a touchdown. Um, they kind of seem to be going back and forth on who has the big game at wide receiver yeah. right now. 
it's well, another just, balance thing right. I think you can look at. They're, so it's this is a completely different team than the beginning of the year. I mean, this has been this has been one of the more roller coastery football teams in the Big Ten this year. Um, you know who's and, not roller coastery? Cal Halliday. No, he's he is. Fantastic. He had nineteen tackles. It's insane. And he just and and you love that he just looks like a linebacker that would get 19 tackles. Yeah. Like, I don't even think he would wear a helmet if they didn't make him wear one. He wears no protection on his arms. His arms just bare. How, how many players do you see ever that I mean, have no is. protection on their arms? Hands? I would, I would hate that, man. I would have hated that. I always had to tip, tape my wrist. I yeah. love gloves. Like, I just couldn't imagine. I, I don't know. He, but I love it. I love, I love it, it too. for him. Uh, but, yeah, anyways, I would think even some of the most – Bitter Michigan State fans, if they can wind up going something like seven and five, win a bowl game to finish eight and five, I, I, you got to be pretty happy with that. In I the mean, end. heck, just just making a bowl game, get, just getting to six and six, and getting to a bowl game is a and success at this point. A- absolutely, it is, and I didn't mean that's the bare minimum that they would have to get to. I'm saying if they wind up getting there, that's fantastic. It'd be crazy. With the win, Sparty moves to five and five. With the loss, Rutgers falls to four and six. Not technically out of a bowl contention yet, but they are on life support. One note: Adam Korsak still a wizard. Still a wizard. Moving on. Still a wizard. Next game up, the game that I was in attendance for: Iowa twenty-four, Wisconsin ten. The Hawks with. 146 yards of total <laughs> offense to the Badgers, 227. First game, or first uh-huh. question I have for uh-huh. you. Uh, how'd you feel about this as a uniform game? Oh, my God, I loved it. Okay, I did, thought it was pretty good. Yeah, so. so you probably missed my my yeah, yeah, my tweet. Yeah. But my tweet was just two words with exclamation points, black britches. And everyone kept saying, boy, you don't want to scroll past that one too quick. <laughs> <laughs> Didn't see that. That's fantastic. <laughs> but no, those are good. good. Those, those are, are beautiful. That's a, that is a, and, and and they had the, you know, no decal on the one side. Yep. They had the yep. patriotic decal for, by the way, happy Veterans Day for yep. everybody. I felt bad I didn't say happy Veterans Day to my uncle when I saw him on Friday night. Um, um, but anyways, I, you know, so, but e- even if you didn't have, you know, the decal change on the helmets, that uniform is pretty simple and straightforward, which is our standard Top with the black britches on the bottom with the with the gold stripe. It's a good. It's a slick uniform. I, I didn't know if maybe for Wisconsin you would have liked to seen red britches. Yeah, I mean, I guess I'm being a little bit. Well, so I'm I'm being a little bit hypocritical here because that's a pretty big rivalry game. Yes, like, should they have gone? And you with their like tradi- to see standard. I uniforms. do, but it it was just so beautiful. I I was I was dying to ask you that question. I. I had uh, uh, my buddy Zed was sitting close. We were he was close to the field, so I went and watched a big chunk of the second quarter. And when I got down on the field, you're just like, "Ooh, mm. boy, that's that's some good uniforms running around there." Single request here for Kirk Ferentz. I know I, I've you know I've I've made fun of your lack of of of, of um, wet blankety your, approaches. Your wet blanketiness. Can we please see those on the road? I'd love to see yes. black, oh. white, black would be so cool. And Iowa fans would like to see a white helmet in some capacity. That'd be kind of cool, too. Yeah, if you did something but, like that. Yeah. I don't know exactly how it would go. By the way, one of the stats that DS and I shared, which is a Scott Docterman stat, uh, the winner of this contest has won the rushing battle in the game 19 of 21 years. It is now 20 of 22 years. Wow. Why? Because Iowa finished with 52 yards rushing to the Badgers 51. So the funny thing is they got it on the last drive. Oh, 
And my brother, nephew, and I knew that. So we are watching this last drive, dying laughing, like, can we get over Wisconsin? Because they got the totals up, you know, sure. on the yeah, scoreboard yeah. at Kinnick. So they got over that. So that was a fun thing. Um, here's another thing, too, with just with the Iowa defense in general. And we're going to talk about both of these defense. Don't, don't get me wrong. But right now, Iowa has held eight of their 10 opponents to 13 points or less. With the other two being Ohio State and Michigan. Wow. Okay. <laughs> two. So the two Holy. college football playoff wow. teams. And by the way, I'd like to say Michigan got a late touchdown to get it to 27. So it was at 20 up until that point. Mm. I, one of my reasons that I had confidence behind picking picking Iowa to win this game was because of their defense. I mean, we obviously saw that. Here's some crazy stats. Tackles for loss in this game. Mm-hmm. Nine. Yep. Four sacks. Yep. Three Pass breakups, two interceptions, two forced fumbled fumbles, and a block punt. And you didn't even mention one was a pick six. <laughs> it's incredible. It's just absolutely incredible. I mean, they they were getting the short field. So I mean, they had the pick six, and then they had two short fields to score. They they're, they're scoring drives. I, I should have looked that up. Should have written it down. I don't believe they had one over eighteen yards. That's unbelievable. <laughs> but and. I hear I heard one caller bring it up on the drive up north today and listen to the college football sh- show getting frustrated about it but it just happens too much for it to be straight luck. No, there it's is, not luck. I mean there's obviously things but it's the kind of thing that can dry up really quickly in a game when absolutely. you when you need it and it's just not there that game. You know who you go to when you need something to happen right now with the Iowa football team? Cooper DeGene was Incredible. Ten tackles, a tackle for loss, an interception, which included the 32-yard pick six. Uh, He had four punt returns for 82 yards, including a 41-yarder to set up one of the touchdowns. And he had an incredible play, helped teamed up with Torrey Taylor, where they uh, downed the ball. He sprinted down the field, you know, uh, uh, athletically caught the ball, tossed it back to his teammate to the one-yard line. It felt like Cooper DeGene was making 80% 80% of the plays that were in this game. Have we considered him at wide receiver? Ference has actually joked about how he could play three different positions on both sides of the ball. I'm not joking. I feel like... We're, I'm not joking either. We need we need something there. Can't we just give it a shot? I mean, he's a true sophomore. You know, you feel like you got to give the guy a little bit of a break. Um, uh, team rushing for Iowa, 45 carries for 52 yards. That's oh, a 1.2-yard average. Okay. And... But... So... Here's the thing. I do want to give a shout out. Well, I, I mean, gonna... a big part of that is Wisconsin. It's not just oh, Iowa. Oh, we're getting there. I want to finish strong with that. Can I give a shout out though? All right. You're gonna be. I'm gonna. I know this is crazy. To Spencer Petrus, he took a freaking beating yeah. in this game. Had the one fumble. Yeah. Okay. However, and it, by the way, led to three points for Wisconsin. However, no picks, no yeah. game. You know, changing huge plays. We DS and I said on the podcast that we thought Graham Mertz was more susceptible to those type of plays than Petrus. I believe that played out yep. in this game. Sure. And Sam Laporte only had five catches for 48 yards. They were all big plays. The one of set up the touchdown to to take the seven to three lead. So it was. There are games where Iowa shuts it down because they have the lead. This was not one of them. Iowa was shut down by Wisconsin. So then we flip over to that Wisconsin defense. They are, dude, they're back to being 
filthy oh, right the, now. Yes, they are hitting their stride. They had six sacks on the day. They had 12 tackles for loss on the day. Nick Herbig had <laughs> three sacks. And the, the guy was all over the place. Three sacks and three TFLs. Yes. Uh, and there was no need for Wisconsin to get tricky with their blitz packages. They basically just figured out a way to single Nick Herbig up on either one of our tackles and go to town. He was incredible. I, I mean, this is a this is a great Wisconsin defense. CJ Getz had a good game too. Yep. Uh, Braylon Allen did not, by the way. 17 carries, 40 yards, only a 2.4 yard average. It was a strange week for Braylon Allen. We're going to leave it at that. Jordan um, Turner had a great game. It's like the, all all these linebackers that we're used to seeing that we weren't seeing really right. earlier in the season Correct. are now there. The Wisconsin defense is the Wisconsin defense. Unfortunately, the Wisconsin rushing attack is not quite there. So what happens? That puts pressure on the passing attack, and when that happens, we get a swing and a Mertz. And this was another one of those games where he hit the wide-open receiver yeah. on a blown coverage, so give him credit yeah. for hitting that. Well, he also had a wide-open Cooper DeGene. Correct. <laughs> <laughs> I, I mean, I do think Cooper DeGene deserves a little bit of credit of knowing where to position <laughs> he himself. He jumped it, but my gosh, that yes. was that was a bad throw. That was a awful throw. Can I say this, though? That was right down, it right in front of the seats that Zed had. I'm just saying, if you were closer to the field, the beating that Mertz was taking from the Iowa front seven was, it should be illegal in about 35 states. Luckily, Iowa isn't one of them. That was, that was a physical game. Like, I'm... A little bit nervous that there might be some rose-colored urine for both of these quarterbacks. They got they got destroyed. I mean, it was fun. I love a good defensive battle. This is maybe a little too good defensively, but it was just a fun to watch the 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 carnage. Okay, did it did it seem like more of a from your vantage point? Obviously, you're not as you know invested in it as as me or Wisconsin fans. Like, it just felt like a fun physical game to me. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. All right. No, it was fun physical. Um, okay. With the win, Iowa moves to six and four with the loss. Wisconsin falls to five and five. Can I do something real quick here? All right, sir. I want to give a shout out to four Big Ten football stalwarts. These guys okay. have been doing work for three years now, I think, pretty much every one of them. Jack Campbell, Seth Benson, Nick Herbig, Keanu Benton. They're freaking studs. Yeah, there are they are day in and day out. If they are healthy and on the field, they are balling. I'm just saying you don't have defenses this good by just happenstance or luck. You need dudes. Those four guys are are freaking dudes. Those are four dudes right there. Just and it might not be. I mean, I think Jack Campbell is somebody that people know nationally, sure. but the other three. People maybe don't know them enough. They're freaking amazing. And, yeah, and I respect their game a whole bunch. I feel like this was the game, though, where Herbig separated himself and people are going to start noticing him nationally. I think so. The Eyes on Big Podcast is sponsored by the Amador Whiskey Company. Our unique process takes the highest quality Kentucky bourbon and finishes in California wine barrels. This double barrel aging technique creates unique characteristics in each barrel that produce one-of-a-kind whiskeys. Amador is made to be sip neat or is perfect in classic bourbon cocktails. Just like your go-to Big Ten football podcast, Amador is the go-to whiskey this football season. Don't forget to hashtag Ask for Amador and check out our new website and finder options so you can see where to find Amador near you at www.amadorwhiskeyco.com. Amador Whiskey, born in Kentucky, 
Raised in California. Moving on into the afternoon, we got four more games here. Michigan 34, Nebraska 31. Oh, that was a 31-point spread, Kurt. And Whoa. They nailed it. It was a 31-point win for Michigan. Wow. The desert people strike again. The Wolverines with 412 yards of total offense to the Huskers, 146. Um, oh, my God. The Hawks and Huskers finished with 146 yeah. yards yesterday. Isn't just, that crazy? I just realized that yeah. when I read it out loud. So I, I thought there was a danger afoot, hence the reason why I brought up the potential streak of Nebraska not being shut out since – September of 1996, the last really? time Nebraska Wait, hold has... on. Arizona State. You nailed it. It was 22 to nothing, I think. Is that right? Yeah, or like 19 to nothing, I think. Maybe it was, it was 19. So you didn't listen to the podcast when DSN I brought that up. No, I haven't. Okay. Um, I remember yeah, that. You nailed it. That was impressive. I, I'm going to go, hold you're, on. You're either, you're either pulling a heck of a con on me or that was amazing. September 21st? I, I, did, I didn't look up the date. Because um, I remember what I was doing that day. Yeah. I, I had a wedding that day. Okay, okay, I remember well, getting home from the wedding, being a little toasted, believe it or not, Yeah, and sitting on the couch because I had seen no football that day. Okay. And f- jaw dro- dropped open. For flow, we'll keep it going. We'll look it up at the end if you want yeah. to edit out the pause or whatever. Um, but anyways, they did not get shut out. The point I'm trying to make is that I was nervous for how a second and third string quarterback was going to look versus this filthy Michigan defense it it this game here's essentially how, looked okay. like how many people thought it would okay here's how how it looked cool whip decided we're gonna try to run the ball and this is how it looked well that he had no he had no choice I mean okay so but think of just how little amount of plays Nebraska ran so they in this only game. they only passed the ball 19 times and they ran the ball 29 times they they were barely playing football on, the, on that side of the ball. And the team rushing 29 carries, 75 yards, not not horrible. But right now, any offense trying to go against this Michigan defense, good luck. When you're down to a second and third string quarterback and uh, um, they're running an offense that the offensive coordinator wouldn't actually want to run. Do you know what I'm saying? Like, if your backup quarterback looked a lot like Casey Thompson as far as style. Yeah. I think Cool Whip could have a little bit more success, but there are three distinctly different quarterbacks. Yeah, there are. First, second to third. It's You know what's remarkable is that they didn't that Michigan didn't have even more time of possession. It's still a lot, 35 and right. a half minutes, but I would have expected 40 minutes looking at these stats. Absolutely. Um to speak on Michigan right now, it is this I swear it's almost the same exact stat line every single week they they don't ask mccarthy to do a ton in the air they just don't and it was a weather game it was a weather so you definitely wanted to run the ball but then also he he used his legs a little bit too which i love seeing that's what he does this is i'm not even sure who's the better team ohio state or michigan right now i well we we can get to my rankings i i listed michigan and ohio state as 1a and 1b i think so i mean it's just too close to call i think i trust michigan a little bit more because of their rushing game (sighs) yeah they're and i would say their defense is a little bit better than ohio state i'll say this what what's going on is that whenever you look at a, a team as a fan you look at the stuff that you just are you just know like i know this is good or i know this is bad 
I know Michigan's defense is good, and I know Michigan's rushing attack is good. Right. So, like, those two, those are two big things. You right can always there. rely on those two things. So, you just know that those are going to show up every game. At this point, I mean, we're 10 games in. There's been some decent teams Michigan has played. They haven't played necessarily the, 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 the absolute toughest schedule in the world. But when you look this dominant week to week, I don't know what else to say except I feel like... I feel like I've seen enough. I've got enough film on Michigan to know that this is just an incredible football team. Yeah, I mean, it's the only thing you can say, really. Nobody really jumped out on defense, but maybe that's a good thing because everyone's contributing. They spread it around. What yeah. was Corum's stats so again? Corum had um, oh, look at it, 28 rushes, 162 yards, one touchdown. Yeah, again, that's a pretty Blake Corum. There wasn't a lot of rushing uh, uh uh, attempts for any running backs behind him that no. jumped off the table. I mean, it was it was Blake Corum. Donovan Edwards only had two totes. C.J. Stokes actually was the second leading rusher at yeah. eight carries, 68 yards. But r- they ran for 264. Yeah. That's just that's yep. incredible. And Ronnie Bell, amazing. Ronnie Bell is amazing. Um, happy to see Elante Brown uh, is alive and walking around that hit that he took where he was flipped up in the air. I honestly think the second Michigan defender coming in tried to stop him from ending his life, like tried to catch him before you hit the ground. You know, it's, it's, I don't know what to say, but this is what you pretty much expected for Michigan. I thought there would be, this was, I thought I predicted 38 to 13. I thought, I thought Nebraska would have a, you know, more committed rushing attack, which they tried. I thought they would pop a play, you know, put another field goal on board, something like that. There just was nothing available there. And then what does Michigan just, they just shut, they are, Harbaugh is very good at just getting what he wants. He sees enough, and he shuts it down, and they get out of there. Yeah. I mean, I think a lot of it's just getting other people reps. He loves – he talks about that all the time, that he loves to see guys second and third down in the depth chart getting reps, and I think he wants to keep people fresh and healthy. The number one person on this entire team that they need to keep fresh and healthy – is Blake Corum. Mm-hmm. Like it's it's Chase Brownie a little bit, and we're gonna talk about that. But not only that is he is special as a running back and and taking him out of this offense would hinder it a great deal. That guy needs to stay on the field as much as humanly possible. I would have thought they would have leaned on him a little bit less yesterday, but this is this is indicative of how dominant Michigan's defense was. Cause yeah, uh, uh Purdy, yeah, Chubba Purdy was obviously the leading passer only 56 yards, also their leading rusher because Anthony Grant couldn't get anything going running the ball. 11 carries for 22 yards. Yeah. Um, I think defenses have, uh, you know, read the, the Cribs notes and cheat sheet and understand that if they are going to try to hit big plays, it's going to be to Trey Palmer. He did not have much of stats to, you know, to pick out in this game. Unfortunately, right now for Nebraska fans, there's not a lot to look at to feel real great about, uh, especially when you're going against a team like Michigan, who is rounding into form, I would think, pretty much exactly what you would hope they'd be looking at if you're a Michigan fan at this point in the year. Do you realize Trey Palmer had five catches but for 12 yards? I'm just saying, like, it's it's tough. It's not I mean, like they weren't trying to get him nope, the ball. Nope, they were trying to get there. Um, by the way, Chubba Purdy went out of this game with an injury. Speaking of Cool Whip, he went out of the game with an injury. He got hit on the sideline, so it's... It's tough. I don't know what to say right now. With the win, Michigan moves to 10-0. and With the loss, Nebraska falls to 3-7. and I don't mean to rub salt in the wound, but they are now officially the only Power 5 team that has not gone to a bowl in six seasons. Yep. It is uh, about as low as it gets right now for, for that side of the things. Speaking of another low situation, Penn State, 30. Maryland, 0. 
The Nittany Lions with 413 yards of offense. Who had the Terps with the lowest yardage output in the Big Ten on, on their checkerboard? 134 yards. This was I I was pretty darn good at my picks this week. I went seven and zero against the spread, four two and one again. Uh, excuse me, seven and zero straight up, okay. four two and one against the spread. I whiffed on this one. This was mm. I was completely wrong. I had Penn State winning, but I had thirty to twenty four. Yeah, at Maryland, twenty four points off. This is one of those things where I'm not sure who Maryland is anymore. I thought we had a pretty good idea. Maybe it's just that that Hoosier line thing where the Penn State's above the Hoosier line, so it's just Terp line. There's, yeah, did it? They didn't. That's but it, isn't that happening though? Like they, if a team gets to a certain point, is good enough, it's like they're not even playing football anymore. But if yeah. they're a solid team or below, they're even going to run you off the yeah. the field, or it's going to be a competitive game. Um, I don't know if you were if you have this experience, but you know, back in the old days when you picked the games with me during the week, was there ever a time where you picked a game on a Wednesday, and by let's say Friday or so, you thought about it more and you're like, yeah, I don't think I like this one sure. anymore. Yeah, this was my pick. Um, I, I was speaking to my guy Petey uh, at my tailgate, also a person that maybe shares a, the, the fun and a handicap here and there. And he started asking me about my picks. I said, you know, the only one that I'm kind of nervous about is Maryland Penn State. And then I got I got curious with this, okay? So I looked up um, Penn State, okay? Taking Michigan and Ohio State mm-hmm. out, of, out of their games, okay? Mm-hmm. There, there are 10 football contests they played. So taking those two out, that leaves eight football games, okay? In those eight games, they are 8-0. And they're winning by an average of 37 to 14. Hmm. They are straight gangster murdering people that aren't wearing Boy, a I, Buckeye or Michigan uniform. Doesn't seem like that much. Go look at their... I, see, I disagree. I felt like that was the case, especially after I saw this. I mean, they murdered Auburn. You know, they played yeah. Akron or whoever it was. I can't remember what Mac school it was. I mean, like some of the closest ones was Northwestern, and that was only because sure. of the elements. Otherwise, it probably would have been way, worse. Speaking of this game, had the elements too. It did have the elements, and it didn't matter because Penn State's rushing game and Penn State's defense came to play in this one. They had seven sacks on the day. They had nine tackles for loss. This defense did. Team rushing, 43 carries, 249 yards, a 5.8-yard average. Nick Singleton, 122 yards, an 11.1-yard average. Catron Allen, 73 uh, yards rushing, a 4.6-yard average. There was a new formation that Penn State ran a couple times. I don't know if you saw, but they had everybody bunched up, mm-hmm. and it was like almost like a wing T type okay. of formation. And then Nick Singleton broke it out the back door. Dude, It was that was some incredible stuff. But then, meanwhile, you're giving up 1.6 yards per rush. <laughs> Dude, I'm telling you right now, if they had an SEC logo on their jersey, they would definitely oh, be in the top ten. The Big Ten would have three top ten teams. They might be top eight. And look at it. Look at how deep they took Ohio State into sure. the fourth quarter. Yep. You know, and, and Ohio State busted loose at the end. Um, really, they're only eyesore on their entire record is the Michigan is Michigan. Yeah. And by the way, I think that's because Michigan and Ohio state are freaking good. Yes. And I, I feel like the bag of goods that was sold to me after those games was that it was more of a, 
issue that Penn State either didn't look good right. versus Michigan or Ohio State didn't look good versus Penn State. What happens if all three teams are great? Well, two teams are elite and Penn State is great. Yeah. I'm starting to think that's what it is, Kurt. I think so. I think DS has been calling that for quite some time. Uh, by the way, Sean Clifford becomes the all-time leader in Penn State history for passing yards. He went over 10,000, didn't he? Went over 10,000 as Man. well. Isn't that crazy? And not a great passing day for him, but again, weather, no, weather, weather. game. Uh, the, the two leading receivers for the day were both tight ends for Penn State. Um, speaking of issues on offense, things being tough, Leah Tungviola, 11 uh, completions on 22 attempts, 74 yards. Ouch. Team rushing, 37 carries, 60 yards, a 1.6-yard average. Ouch. Um, there was somebody on Twitter saying that they thought the Terps would be the best team in the West. And I'm just going to say that is untrue. This is not a this is not a style of offense that can, that that is yeah. very conducive to late October November Big Ten football. Yeah, like yeah. It, we have seen it now two weeks in a row where the if the conditions aren't favorable, that's it. Right, but the, also I will I'll go a step further. The physicality of the teams in the West right now is something I don't think they could handle on a week to week basis. I think they'd do fine in the West. I'm not saying they're right. They'd be bad. I just don't no, think I they. I didn't say bad, they, but they wouldn't I, run away with no, it. They, I don't think they'd be top three, to be honest with you. Yeah. Um, their offensive line is what is like. This was an offensive line I was bragging up in yeah. September. What? I don't know if it's injuries. I don't know if there's something that's gotten figured out with with schemes, but it it is it's struggling right now. It's not looking good. Um, and I think you already kind of alluded to it, but like, it's going to be tough for me going forward to trust this Maryland team again. Like, I, I know this is a long ways away, but projecting out from, like, the summer on how these teams are going to look, it's just going to be tough until you see until you see locks put it together in the physicality late yeah. in the season. It's tough. And this, this, this would be a game, even if they lost, kind of like the Michigan game, you gained respect from Maryland for how good they looked in that game. You got to do it in November, too, though. Yeah. With the win, Penn State moves to 8-2 and two with the loss. Maryland falls to six and four. Next game up, Minnesota 31, Northwestern three. The Gophers with 366 yards of total offense to the Wildcats, 278. I don't know how to put this like the, the most articulate way, but I feel like there's never been a team on since we've been recording this podcast who's played more identical football games than Minnesota. I, doesn't it seem like every week is 31 to three when they win anyway? Exact same. It's the same score. Like there's been like six games where they. It's been almost the exact same score, stat line. You know where it's very obvious that the other team is not going to do anything. Okay, how about this? Minnesota. Here's their wins: thirty-eight nothing, sixty-two to ten, forty-nine to seven, thirty-four to seven, and thirty-one to nothing, twenty to thirteen, and now thirty-one-three. Those are all pretty similar. That's pretty games. similar. One of them was. Obviously, a very high-scoring game, but yeah, I mean, get rid of the sixty-two to ten, and every game is almost identical. And you know what? You know what they are? They're all slow, methodical executions. (laughs) That's that's what they are. Maybe some Northwestern fans would take a nice, quick execution. Uh, Maybe, but that's that's the tip of the cap to the Generation Red podcast. There, yeah. Um, Ethan Kaliak Manis. Say it again, Ethan Kaliak Manis. Our guy Boat says. You know, he challenged me. Greek's going to get that name down before the end of the year. Hey, Boat, I already got that name down. Well, man. I mean, 
It's a Greek name. That's so how you know. It's in my so, blood. Yeah, that's right, man. Uh, didn't have to do much. 7 to 13, 64 yards. So what do you do? You lean on the team rushing. 58 carries, 302 yards. Even at 58 attempts, they still had a 5.2-yard average. Mo does it again. What What do you do when you need Mo? You go to Mo. 36 carries, 178 yards, 4.9-yard average. Three touchdowns. That is now 18 straight 100-yard gains. He is extending his Big Ten record further and further out. And it's 50 total touchdowns, which puts him only 27 shy of the record in the Big Ten. <laughs> um, he looked a little bit healthier in this game. So maybe the ankle is looking better. Oh, now. he looked like healthy. I, yeah, I, I, it didn't look as much of a bulky ankle in this game as what no, I'm No, it saying. didn't. And Trey Potts did well, too. He was yep. efficient. 10 carries, 63 yards. Didn't need Ethan Kaliak Manis to do that much, thankfully, because he only had 64 yards. Yeah. Now, was, so there wasn't a whole lot stopping the Gophers on this thing. No. And by the way, this is exactly how PJ loves to play it, over 40 minutes. I, I think I think that I guarantee you he's got a thing where how many games can we get over 40 minutes of possession? Like, that's one of the things, like, that they're trying to accomplish in a game. Right. right? But and usually what teams do, you know, we did this when I was at Iowa. You put the weekly high, uh, goals up. Yeah. On, and then there's, like, kind of, like, um, program goals, you know, that are just kind of this yep. is this is who we are. I, it must be tough at, 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 if they're a, a football complex because there's so many things PJ well, puts on. Side. Sure, I don't know if it gets lost in the minutia, but anyways, um, one of the stories in this game was Maple Grove, Minnesota, not far from the downstairs athletic club. Evan Hole uh, yeah. coming back to play at home. He did what he could, right. man. Uh, 54 rushing yards, 44 passing yards, so he had 98 yards of total offense. There was just nothing available there. Four quarterbacks played for Northwestern. Did Chappie play in this game? I don't know. I don't know if Chappie took any snaps, but you know, you know who does not get enough love, and even from us, I would say. So maybe shame on us. So we've mentioned him, but Malik Washington. Yes, he. I, I know they don't have a lot going on for him. That guy is a playmaker. He's good. He didn't score any touchdowns, but six catches, ninety-seven yards. You got. You always got to know where that guy is. Absolutely. I mean, they are. Uh, they're a. They're a. They're a two-trick pony. You know, well, it's Evan Hall and it's Malik it's a, Washington. It's a two-trick pony, but then you got Peter Skaronski on the offensive line. Great left tackle. If they had a little bit more, yeah, offensive line, a little bit more, a little bit more a quarterback. quarterback that yeah. was more experienced. Yeah, I mean, they're trying to work through it, but well, it I do, just... I do feel like Mr. Skaronski gets away with a little, uh, a little pulling and grabbing here and there. I have noticed that myself. Yeah, maybe his, uh, his. His aura about him helps him out a little bit with that. There was one where he just, like, right up high. It was like he was choking the guy. I saw that one. They didn't call it. I couldn't believe it. They didn't call it, and I've seen other ones like that before. Um, Anyways, it was pretty much the game we expected, pretty much the game Vegas expected. With the win, Minnesota moves to 7-3 and with the loss. Northwestern falls to... One and nine, they are very much at the risk of going one and eleven. And by the way, nine straight losses, which I think they yes. haven't done that since it was since like it was like the nineties. Nineties. It was like before the like Big 91 Ten. Ninety one or ninety two. Before the ninety four and five, or I'm sorry, ninety five and ninety six championship teams. It was before then, so I'm not sure how far. But it. I'm, so even in a long list of aggressively bad Northwestern seasons, this is the record this year. That's incredible. I mean, at least going back 30 years and still have not won on American soil. That is quite the stat. All right, last game up was the Big Ten game of the week, and I think it was, for the most part. Purdue 31, 
Illinois 24, the Boilermakers with 379 yards of total offense to the Illini's 303. Uh, Illinois started up seven to nothing. Purdue tied it up. Illinois went up 14 to seven. Purdue tied it up again. Um, By the way, when Illinois was up seven nothing, Dustin Schutte already threw in the towel. The game was over. I will say, Illinois went right down the field. It, they they it, just it, like they it was walked. like through a hot knife through butter. And give Ron English credit because man, their their defense bowed up after that. I mean, there's just something with Purdue. Essentially, this is how you predict Purdue for the rest of the podcast. All right, I'm just giving you a pointer. Is there a number? by the team that they're playing. Yeah. If there's a number by the team that they're playing, expect amazing Purdue. If there's not, expect not so good Purdue. Yeah, this is Jekyll and Hyde. I can't figure I was kind of I was kind of giving up on Purdue. Now, not that I thought Illinois was going to have a cakewalk, but they their arrow was pointing down, as was Illinois. Yeah. And they are pointing right back up. Um, I think the the general thought process was uh, Purdue got beat up pretty good by uh, Wisconsin and Iowa. Illinois beat Iowa and Wisconsin up pretty good, but it's a different style of defense that Illinois plays. Um, Iowa and Wisconsin's is more of a suffocating defense. Illinois' defense is more of a slashing aggressive defense. Yeah. I think we saw some of that in this game where – Plays became available for Aiden O'Connell, especially Payne Durham in this game. Well, that's, um, I mean, that, that's how you attack this defense. That, that's been the theme all year is Illinois has not been able to stop tight ends. Tight ends. Okay. Yeah. Um, tight ends is, okay, that's one thing. I, I guess, like, to a certain degree, you attack Illinois' strengths, which has been their DBs. But yeah, they're just, they just could not get pressure. On AOC. No, that was that was the big thing. They couldn't get any pressure, which, you know, allowed him to have some success through there. It's not like he carved him apart. He was 25 of 40 for 237, but then the three TDs. Three touchdowns. One interception. But, yeah, that was – Illinois, a couple things, could not get any pressure on Aiden O'Connell, which Purdue's offensive line was amazing. They also could not open any running lanes. Again, Purdue's defensive line was amazing. It was the – O-line and D-line effort that we had seen at times that gave people confidence, what, five, six weeks ago that this was a darn good Purdue team, yep. suddenly came alive in this game. They um, were incredible. I, I I don't know what was the better performance, Purdue's O-line or Purdue's D-line. They were both the both amazing. Another thing that uh, DS and I kind of pointed out was it had gotten, a little, gotten to the point of ridiculousness on how much they were trying to force the ball into Charlie Jones. I think they yep. got that memo. He was the third leading receiver for catches. Yeah. That's, that's incredible. TJ Sheffield, we already talked about Peyton Durham. TJ Sheffield had a great game too, but then Devin Mockaby, 3.8 yard average, 106 yards rushing, but a 4.3 yard average against this Illinois defense. You're scheming something up if you are having that much success rushing against this Illinois defense. Well, okay, rushing, but also keeping Aiden O'Connell clean. Illinois had no sacks on Aiden O'Connell. Illinois only had four tackles for loss. This is a defensive line that has been disruptive all year. They only had four pressures on Aiden O'Connell. I did not see that coming. Neither did I. I I thought this would be more feast or famine, where Purdue would punt after three plays, and it would be third and 16. And then the next drive, they would hit a 64-yarder. That's what I thought this game would be. We got maybe a little bit Eh. of that, but it was more just... I'm just... I'm amazed they were able to run for 142 yards and keep Aiden O'Connell that clean. Uh, it's Scheme has got to play into that. 
a little bit. I mean, I'm going to nominate their offensive line. I'm, I'm going offensive line for okay. for the Eisman. I'm going to just nominate them. Okay. I'm just going to throw that I, out there. No, dude, I totally now that I'm, get it. Now that I'm digging deeper and looking at some of these stats, it's even better than I than it seemed at the time. It's it's incredible. Um, Tommy DeVito's stat line, not awful, 18-32, 201 yards, one touchdown, the pick at pretty much at the end of the game, which, which kind of sealed it. Uh, by the way, Brian Hightower, you know, five catches, 89 yards and a touchdown. He looked good too. The team rushing wasn't great. Uh, no. 33 carries, 102 yards. It's a three point yard average. And, and, and then, I've been saying it like I, I've been thinking it all year, but I was keeping it quiet. And last couple of weeks, I started saying on the cast that the offensive line was not doing a good job and that the, the rushing success that Illinois had was mostly due to chase Brown and not the offensive line. And now I'm just, I'm getting that reaffirmed. Yeah. As we get deeper in the season here, they're just not opening lanes for him. He had nowhere to go. And by the way, he had a couple nifty runs in there, but 23 carries ended at 98 yards, two yards short of a hundred yard game. Then of course gets injured. So we know 20... how we know, I don't know that we know anything, but I would say it's a severe ankle sprain. Shit. It wasn't a knee. Thank yeah. God. But it was so it one looked would think pretty bad. It looked like a pretty bad ankle sprain. I would say. And one would I mean, think... he won't be playing the rest of the year. I'll say that. Definitely not versus Michigan. I don't see him playing the rest of the year. And but then you, why would you play in the bowl game if you're Chase Brown? Because he did, by the way, it's senior day and he walked. So he, he will not be back next year. Okay. Um, but you still want to get the LOL hat at the end of the year, and you technically will still be playing for a Big Ten or a Big Ten championship appearance. Potentially. Potentially. If they could you be, know, yeah. play Northwestern at the end of the year. Um, so I, I'm just going to say this because I know you're a, a man of, of, you know, conviction. Okay. But – I saw it. We saw it at the tailgate spot. We have a cool TV that you can okay. watch the game. Um, I also had multiple people DM me. There were some questionable calls by the refs. And this uh, crew, um, it's the same one that did the Indiana game. Okay. So so, so, I, I, so this they either hate Illinois or they love the state of Indiana. <laughs> well, good. give no, me the state of Indiana. Good. Okay, so where do I start with this that one? That was not a pass interference no it was not a pass that just was not a pass interference and by the way okay it was not a pass interference should have been an interception they did score a touchdown in the very next play um the weird part is that very next play should have also been an interception Quan martin misjudged the ball and i don't know if it was the wind like there was a gust of wind or something he put his hands up and the ball whizzed by like outside his hands which that happened to him twice in this game I, and yeah. he is so good at turning and looking back at the ball and and getting the ball, and he screwed up twice in this game. That and it was stuff like that was happening throughout the whole game, which is why I knew this was not our day. That we were if Correct. we were going to win this, it was going to be a dog fight. It was going to be the, one of those where you look back and you said, "Oh my gosh, I cannot believe we got away with one." Yes, the refs did affect the game, but here's what I'll say: I'm going to I'm going to say the same thing I said after the Indiana game. India, Illinois made 800,000 boneheaded mistakes in this game. Cut that down to 400,000, and you might win the game. Like, right, even with the calls. Even with – yeah, you, they, they were so sloppy that they did not deserve to win this They're, game. I think it's very big of you to word it like that. I don't know how many fans typically are that – have that much of a well-rounded view. I, I 100% agree with you. I – I will say, as far as who's the better team, it's very close. Yeah, it's really, it's damn who close. Who deserved to win the game? It was Purdue. It was Purdue for sure. Yes, like if they played this game ten times, I bet it's it's very close to 50-50. And so, I, five I, five or six four. I, I would agree, and um, I would also say that you know the way you described it and how Illinois also looked against Indiana 
also very similar. I mean, the, had plays, you know, gave away plays. One could say the only teams that Illinois has lost to this year is Illinois because they they think that's very well because they did, they were sloppy against Michigan State too. Correct. Yeah. So I'm, and I guess what it comes down to is I was more actually just like Minnesota. It's amazing how many games Illinois has played similar as yeah. well. But I, I guess the way I, the reason I look at it is because I was more angry at the way we were playing than I was at the refs. I understand. I understand. I think, I think probably fans looking at it from a less, uh, you know, not quite as of a deeper point of view as you, they were, they tend to just look at the, the, the refs in this game. Yeah. Um, and obviously there is, a lot of frustration with Big Ten fans towards Big Ten refs in general. This crew itself, it's not just the Illinois games they've called. This is one of the worst crews. I don't know how these okay. kids get, get schooled out. I've heard that's a very intense process, but well, I don't know. This, this, it didn't look good. I thought of something. Obviously, a very controversial call that they made against that went against Illinois in the Indiana game, right? And that everybody was talking about. Don't you? Shouldn't you as a conference just say, you know what, let's keep that crew off of off of that team's games for the rest of the you year. You think so. Because, like, even if you're calling a good game, people are going to be looking for Correct. something, right? Correct. It just, you would think they would just say, let's not have them on the Illinois games anymore. I would love to be behind the scenes, you know, where where the bread's made to see exactly how that goes down when they think about and that. And one more thing I will say is any, t- like, you know, people reach out to us all the time from opposing mm-hmm. teams and want to hear, yep. can you give me some dirt on Illinois? Like, what should I be looking for in this game? And anytime anyone did that, all year for me, I would say watch our cornerbacks. They're really, really handsy, and they get away with a lot. Okay, the refs let a ton of stuff go. It finally caught up to them. Mm-hmm. Yeah, have you felt the special teams have caught up to Illinois at all? Well, they they were they weren't great yesterday either. Okay, because I think it actually played into the week before versus Michigan sure. State. Because I don't think there's a lot of confidence that Beetle has with his place kicker, and I think that's part of the red zone issues is because yeah he tries to force a square peg in a round hole sometimes because he just doesn't feel good about the place kicking. You can't feel good about anybody swinging their leg for Illinois right now. <laughs> <laughs> Great way of putting it. With the win, Purdue moves to six and four. With the loss, Illinois still is sitting at six and seven and three, which means we now currently have a four-way tie between Illinois, mm. Iowa, Minnesota, and Purdue. And technically, Wisconsin is still alive to uh, get to the get to Indianapolis. And I don't even know. I'm not sure that anybody's even gone this deep to figure it out. Like who's who's the first place team right now? Because everyone, it's, I don't. It's being listed as Purdue, but I don't know how it could be Purdue when they lost to Minnesota. Or sorry, they lost to Iowa. Iowa. Right. And Minnesota lost to Purdue. Uh, Illinois, but Illinois beat Minnesota. And, and Wisconsin and Iowa, Iowa. but yeah. lost to Purdue. It's it, a four-way tie for first place. I, I mean, it, it'll if all there, shake if, out there is, if it goes down to tiebreakers right now. And the other thing is Purdue is the odds-on favorite because essentially anyone oh, – so. Technically speaking, no team in the West controls their own destiny. With that being said, several teams in the West control their own destiny if they win out. Well, did you see who Purdue plays the rest of the year? The two worst teams in the Big Ten. Yes, they do. So they are the odds-on favorite to go to Indianapolis simply because of that. With that being said, if Iowa wins out, which is a tougher road to hold because they are going to have to go on the road to play Minnesota, Iowa does go to Indianapolis if they win out. And they are dogs versus Minnesota. They are dogs, but a field goal dog. I I suspect that'll move quicker to a pick them. The Week 11 Eisman, we want to give, again, a shout-out to Cameron Babb. Uh, 
definitely Nick Herbig, absolutely Herculean performance out of that linebacker. New new addition. We just added this on right now. The Purdue offensive line yeah. definitely deserves a shout out. Uh, we're going to go with Cooper DeGene. Um, when you have that type of performance all around the, the field, you're doing it on special teams and defense. He probably would have been fine if he got in on offense somehow. So he is the week 11 Eisman very quickly going into the rankings. You want to talk about struggle bus trying to make these rankings. Yeah. So, the, the middle tier, it just, okay. So you, we'll you, go, let's I, go one a and one B is Michigan and Ohio state. Penn state is obviously third yep. skipping all the way down to 11 and 12, Nebraska and Rutgers. I still feel good about having Indiana 13 and Northwestern 14 on their own tiers in yep. because Indiana is getting worse right now. Yeah, okay. Now we go back from teams four through 10. Good luck folks. Okay. They're all the same. They're I have eight. Illinois at four. Minnesota 5, Iowa 6, Wisconsin 7, 8, Purdue 9, Maryland 10, Michigan State. I had Michigan State fans say, I think we should be higher. I'm like, you probably could be. I had Purdue yeah. fans say, I think we should be higher. I'm like, yeah, you could be. I mean, you you do have to put Illinois fourth just because they have the best record, right? That is why I put Illinois yeah. fourth. Now, Illinois without Chase Brown moving forward. Oh, boy. So I could have factored that in. Yeah. And maybe I, I could have. The, Iowa, the winner of the Iowa-Minnesota game would probably move up to the fourth spot is how it'll go. Cause yeah. I don't, I, don't, I right. don't foresee things going great in Ann Arbor next. Nor, nor do I. And I, and one would think Purdue is going to win out and they'll keep moving up. Uh, Michigan state's tough. I have them at 10 behind Maryland. Maryland did beat them. Yeah. So you get down to the, you know, nitty gritty there, Maryland six and four Michigan state's five and five and they own that the head to head. Yeah. So if you're a Maryland fan and I move Michigan state ahead of Maryland, you're saying, Wait a second. Yeah, we have, we're six and four. We can't beat them that. head to head. So you can't do it. It's just good luck. Just but like it, seriously. you could literally just go four through 10 and say pick one team. But you put any of just jumble those teams up and, and create a schedule right now. It's a toss up. It, it's, it's for just every a toss one up of those. Around. Yeah. 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 And one team would look great against another, yeah. look awful against the other one. That's, that's, that's just how it would go. So, um, um, I mean, I do think though the Big Ten, one through 10, <laughs> I did. I'm just saying, neither of, obviously one, two, and three. We know those are good teams. Teams four through 10 aren't getting much respect. None of those teams are just roll your helmet out and beat them. They, they all do something good. I've yep. said it multiple weeks sure. in a row. Anyways, and there we go. That's the end of the rankings there. Was there anything else? Well, we're going to look up the, uh, the last time you see if you nailed the stat. Oh, yeah, okay. Because uh, you did nail it. It was, I it think was, it was Nebraska, se- and it was Arizona State. I'm going to call that it was 19 to nothing, but you kind of got sounds, me peaked but you got 22 to nothing. And you got me peaked with 19. Because I did look at it. I looked it up. So that's how that's how it's kind of somewhat okay. fresh in well, my head. All right. And the other, the, only, the other reason I said September 21st, that's my brother's birthday. So okay. I just kind of... It's for some reason it stuck. It stuck. Yeah. So let me. Okay. I swear I did not see this. Before. No, I, so I'm I, on I, Google I'm right now. Okay. okay. September 21st at at number 17 Arizona State, um, but they were ranked number one, and it was 19 nothing. <laughs> so we we both got. That was pretty good. That was pretty good. So. I, I I had just looked at it for the first time like last week. So okay. I, I, I just I don't deserve nearly as much credit because I just looked at it. You hadn't even looked at it in who knows I don't know how, how long. long. But I knew it was about a three touchdown game, you know. Okay. Yep. 
but so I knew went, it was not 21 it was, Yeah, it wasn't like a nice clean number. Yeah. So your brain went to 22. I went to 22 instead of 19. <laughs> so what's funny is like wives and girlfriends could remind their dudes three different times to pick something up. Oh, yeah. Never going to remember it. But you just pulled out a September 21st last time Nebraska. I mean, how many? Out, and you're not even a Nebraska or Arizona State fan. How many times at work do you struggle to try to learn some product or process and then you go back and you're like, Damn, I've already learned this and I forgot it. Like, and you have to learn it again right. and learn it again and learn it again. Stuff like that. I don't, it just sticks. <laughs> I don't know why. Because we're dudes and we're dorks. That's just how it goes. All right, man, you got anything else? No. I'm Jeffrey the Greek. Big Kurt. I, this has been the Eyes on Big Podcast. We'll talk to you soon.